Let's pray. Father, as we open your word again today, Spirit of God, we ask that you would speak to us. Lord, quieten our minds and our hearts and connect us to you. That we may hear from you and you alone as we ponder the thoughts of your word in the name of Christ. Amen. in the shops the other day, as one does. And I could see out the corner of my eye as I had just two or three items to take to the checkout, somebody with a big trolley, and the race was on. <laughs> they beat me. So I had to come in just behind them, and they had a whole stack of food that was going through the thing. And they turned around with that smile on their face, sorry, they said. They weren't sorry. I knew they weren't sorry. Driving home yesterday, no, Friday, on the M3. Saw this cloud of smoke in the distance. And as we drove closer, we saw that there was this car that was on fire. The whole front windscreen, the bonnet, the roof. And there were these two people standing there outside looking, obviously shaken. And then just parked up, just beyond the car, was this second car where this guy was filming the whole thing. And I thought, I want to kick him and throw his phone away. Why is he standing there with a grin on his face filming the car when he should be helping those two people who have obviously just gone through a traumatic experience. Told a secret to someone a little while ago, something deep and personal. A little while later, someone else came up to me and they said, I didn't know about this. And I wanted to go and punch that person I told originally. When I told them that I said it in confidence and that obviously shared it. We speak so easily about forgiveness, don't we? We prayed this morning, Marion's just prayed, forgive, forgive, forgive. And it's so easy to say that and yet it's so hard to do that, isn't it? I mean, it's easy to forgive that person that pushed in front of me in the queue because, well, it cost me another two minutes of my life, but hey, who cares? But that person that told my secrets when I specifically said to them, this is in strictest confidence, that hurts. That really hurts. And so it's really hard to forgive them and just to let it go. We've been looking together in the book of Colossians. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly love, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Don't you hate that? 
It's horrible, isn't it? It's like the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against. I'd much rather it was just forgive us our trespasses, Lord. Full stop. End of sentence. But that's not what it says. And the Bible is full of passages like this, which tells us to forgive one another if we have a grievance against someone. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is tough. Agreed? I mean, it's easy to forgive the little things. You know, Alan left the toilet seat up once again. You can forgive him for that. You know, he left toothpaste all over or dirty socks on the floor. You can forgive them for that. But the deep things are hard to forgive. They're hard to let go of. You know, the forgiveness is so critical in the Bible. There are six different words. We're not going to have time to look at them today. But it, it's so big that it doesn't even just have one word to describe forgiveness. There are six words in the Bible, two in the Old Testament, four in the New Testament, to try and capture the importance of forgiveness and really what it's all about. In fact, because it's so important, there are 88 different word pictures that describe what forgiveness is. Things like this. To forgive is to turn the key, open a cell door, and to let the prisoner walk free. Or the Bible says to forgive is to write in large letters across a debt, nothing owed. Or it says to forgive is to pound the gavel in a courtroom and declare not guilty. Or to forgive is to shoot an arrow so high and so far that it can be never be found again. Or to forgive is to bundle up all the rubbish and the garbage and dispose of it, leaving the house clean and fresh. Or to forgive is to, to loosen the moorings of a ship and to release it so it can go out into the open sea. Or to forgive, it says in the Bible, is, is like when you've got a stranglehold in a wrestling opponent and you let them go. Or it's like it says to, to sandblast a wall full of graffiti, leaving it looking just like new. Or to forgive, it says, is to take a, a clay pot and to smash it into a thousand pieces so it can never be pieced together again. There are 88 different pictures like that that describe forgiveness because that is how important it is in the Bible. That's the importance that the Word of God places on our forgiveness and how we forgive others. Bear with each other, Colossians says, and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So why? Why is it so important? Why does this Bible from Genesis to Revelation spend so much time and energy and effort telling us to forgive? Well, first of all, because we're commanded to do it. As we just said in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses in Matthew 6. In Matthew 18, remember with Jesus and Peter? Let me read it to you. It's where Peter says, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? And Jesus says, 70 times seven. 
Just keep forgiving. We're commanded to do it over and over and over again. Why? Also because we can't receive forgiveness from God unless we forgive other people. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then at the end of the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew, Jesus said this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It can't be more explicit than that, can it? He's saying if you, if you don't learn how to forgive other people, everybody, then your Father is not going to forgive you. You can pray the prayer a million times. Nothing's going to happen. You'll walk out from the, from the presence of God just as guilty as when you went in. But if you learn how to forgive others when you ask God to forgive you, then he'll forgive you. It's hard words, isn't it? I mean, I, I love receiving the forgiveness from God. But to forgive other certain other people, they don't even deserve it. Also in Matthew 18, Jesus tells a parable about, remember about the, the servant who goes to his master because he's got debts and his master forgives him like a zillion pounds. And then he goes out and he finds this guy that owes him six pound 50 and he starts strangling him. And at the end of that passage, then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Strong words in the word of God. Why should we forgive? We're commanded and we can't receive the forgiveness from God without forgiving others. Also because it then frees us from the carrying of the weight and the power of the wrong done to us. You know when somebody has done something wrong to you? When someone has really hurt you? It weighs you down. It takes over your life, doesn't it? You feel like you, you wake up and this burden is there and you're carrying this heavy weight with you. And over time, if you don't deal with it, what happens? It gets heavier and heavier and heavier. You know people that have had something terrible done to them and they just hang on to it throughout their life? What happens to them? It just takes over more and more of their life. It defines eventually who they are. It's all that they become. And when we give it to God, when we can somehow lay it down before God, it frees us. We feel this weight that's lifted from us. And we can move on from it. It frees us to be the people we're meant to be. Fourthly, because it imitates what Jesus Christ showed for us on the cross. What did Jesus pray? Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. Well, that bit's true. Father, forgive them. And when we forgive others, 
What are we doing? We're showing that agape kind of love. We forgive whether they deserve to be forgiven or whether they don't deserve to be forgiven. You see, forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation, right? Forgiveness is something that I can do. It doesn't depend on you. Right. I'm picking on Alan today. Alan does something to me. Right. He's, he's, he's a nasty fella, this Alan fella. He's not really. But Alan, Alan, Alan says something really cruel to me. And it really hurts. Now, Alan doesn't have to come and apologize to me. Alan, I can forgive Alan just by forgiving him, right? I can let it go or I can let it fester within me. It doesn't depend on him. Forgiveness depends on me. Reconciliation depends on both of us. For us to be restored together, that's a different issue. But the forgiveness, me carrying that around, murmuring about it all the time. You know what Alan did to me? You won't believe. I'll tell him over this side. You won't believe what Alan did to me the other day. You won't believe what he said to me. You know, for me to do that, that, that's about me. Or I can lay it down and say, Lord, let me release that to you. Let me not carry that anymore. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. Father, forgive them. Father, I want to lay down all their, all their sin, all the things that they said, all the things that they've done. Father, forgive them. I don't want to carry it. I want it dealt with. And that's the choice that we make. When we forgive, we imitate Jesus Christ in a small way in what he did for us on the cross. And therefore, it places other people into the hands of God. If I forgive Alan, as an example, what am I doing? Well, I'm saying, Lord, let me not carry this anymore. Lord, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to get even. I'm not going to react to this. I, I want this out of my system. I'm going to lay it down. And what am I doing? I'm giving God permission to do whatever God wants to do with Alan. It's not my business anymore, right? I'm, I'm not going to seek. I'm not, I'm not going to go next time. I'm going to get him for this, right? There's none of that. And I'm not even saying, Lord, you get him on my behalf because that's bad. No other way of putting that. But I'm laying it down and I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you to deal with Alan, to bless him, to encourage him, to lift him up, to do whatever you need to do. That's not my responsibility. I'm going to lay this burden down. Lord, I give him to you. And lastly, they've done so many research, you notice, that it benefits your health and well-being, forgiveness. They've done lots of research and they've said these things. They said, studies have shown that if you have bitterness and unforgiveness in your life, it can lead or exasperate depression, rage, edginess, pessimism, arthritis, hypertension, heart disease, and many, many other things besides. Forgiveness is not good for us physically. Emotionally, 
spiritually. Sorry, not forgiveness. Unforgiveness. Bitterness. Unforgiveness. Bitterness is not good for us. It impacts our bodies. It impacts our minds. It impacts our, who we are. God has not designed us. That's why in the Bible, forgiveness is such a key concept. Because forgiveness releases us and helps us to be the people God really wants us to be, free and full of peace and hope and love and joy. That's why it's so important. But this is the crucial question. How? How, when somebody has really hurt us, do we forgive? Because it's hard. It's not easy. Firstly, recognize that forgiveness is a decision of the will. You choose whether you wish to forgive or not. Forgiveness doesn't depend on the other person. It depends on you or on me. I can choose to hang on to that hurt and that pain and that anger and I can stew on it and I can develop it and I can just help it to grow in my life or I can let it go. Now it's not easy to let it go. But it starts with that decision. It starts with me saying, you know what, I am going to decide to let this go. In the same way when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you can say the words, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. How many times have you said that in your life? A thousand million. Okay, maybe not that many, but lots, right? And we say it, and I'm sure sometimes like me you say it, and it means absolutely nothing because you don't really think about what you're even saying. It's just the Lord's Prayer. But there are times when you say it, when you're really struggling and where you think, you know what, I messed up here and I'm hanging on to this and I'm struggling with this God and you're saying, Father, forgive them. Forgive my trespasses as I'm trying to forgive those that have done this against me. Lord, that's hard. But it starts with that decision. I am going to let this go. I am going to forgive the other person. I'm going to allow the forgiveness of God to flow through me. Let it go. How? Second, you need to switch your focus from blaming to understanding. You see, the problem when somebody hurts you is this, is that so often we then focus on them. Why, why would they do that to me? Why would Alan say those things to me? Well, what did he think he was doing? Does he not know who I am? Did he not know how much it was going to hurt? And we focus on the other person so much. And we blame them. I shouldn't have done that. He's always doing that. I bet he's done it to everybody else here as well. Am I the only one? Does he just hate me like that? What have I ever done to deserve that? And so we carry on going and going and going. And our focus is on the other person. And what you need to do is change that and put the focus onto yourself. Why? Why am I feeling like this? Why did it hurt so much? Why, why did those words at that time just really cut 
up to the core of who I am. What does that say about me? What does that say about my faith and really where I am with Christ? That something could be said and I hurt so deeply. You see the difference? If you keep looking at the other, you'll never get to the forgiveness. Because you'll just keep stewing on it. You'll just build up this, this picture of instead of a lovable man that's sitting there, there'll be an evil ogre that's sitting there, right? You build up this image. Whereas if you can turn it around and, and say, you know, what's going on inside of me? It doesn't diminish what's happened to you. But it helps you to move forwards. Somebody said they use this little mantra, I won't look back. I won't stay here. I will move forwards. And when you change that from the other to yourself, you begin to be able to move forwards and seek a future instead of living in the past. Switch from blame to understanding yourself. Love that picture. I don't know if you can see it of the cat and the reflection back is a wonderful lion. No, can you put it on one? You have to put an E1 and then turn the lights out. There you go. Is that better? Thirdly, be patient with yourself. There's a wonderful story from Corrie Ten Boom. You know the, the, the Dutch woman that was hiding all the, uh, the um, escapees and so on, the Jews during the Second World War. There's a story where somebody really hurt her and she was really struggling to let it go. And so she went to her pastor and she said, Pastor, I've been struggling. Like, I wake up every night thinking about this person and what they did to me. I, I, I spend all day thinking about I just can't get it out of my head. And I ask God to forgive, help me to forgive them. And, and it just keeps coming back and back and back. What do I do? And the pastor said this. He said, it's like when you ring church bells. When you pull on the, on the rope, what happens? The bell starts ringing. But when you let go of the rope, what happens? Well, the bell keeps ringing for a while, doesn't it? It's not going to just stop like that. It's not like when you play the organ and you hit a note and then you put the note up and it just starts and it stops. The bells will just keep ringing for a bit. You know, you can hear that at St. Mary's. They've all gone off for a cup of tea. But the bells are just still clanging away until they gradually stop, right? And the pastor said it's like that. When you forgive someone, it's not going to stop ringing straight away. You don't wake up one day and you go, right, I'm going to forgive Alan today. Boom. Forgiven. I've forgotten it. I'm moving on. No, it still keeps coming up and up and up in your mind and in your heart. Those feelings are still there, right? But gradually, when you keep on doing that, no, I've promised I'm going to, I made a decision. I'm going to forgive. No, I've made a decision. I'm going to give. And it's like those bells that gradually stop swinging. And gradually, as you continue to make that decision, you'll find that forgiveness comes. Be patient. And particularly with yourself. 
One of the hardest people, the hardest person to forgive is yourself, isn't it? When you've done something stupid, it's tough, right? Why did I do that? What was I thinking? I wasn't thinking. What an idiot. Now I'm in this mess. It's hard to forgive yourself, but be patient with yourself. Just keep on. No, I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to forgive myself. The decision of the will. No, I'm not going to blame the other person. And gradually you'll find it will stop. 70 times 7, that's a lot. Keep on doing it and it will stop. Number four, be kind instead of being right. You know, one of the problems is we try and justify ourselves. He shouldn't have done that. He definitely shouldn't have done it. He had no right to do that. While you stay there, what happens? If you stay in that position, well, you might be right, but you'll still eat away your insides. What you need to do is to stop justifying yourself. How dare they do that to me? That wasn't right. There was a, and instead, be kind. You know what? I'm going to let this go. I'm going to focus on my character rather than on justice. Be kind. I'm going to demonstrate who I am in Christ rather than continue about the justice of what was right and what was wrong. And lastly, send love. The other week, what did we speak about? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and those irritating neighbors as yourself. That's what we need to focus on. I need to focus on connecting with God and being a channel of God's love into my neighbor. How can I do that if I have resentment against my neighbor? How can God flow through me if I am harboring unforgiveness in my heart? It doesn't work. What we need to do with all of our lives is to focus on that one commandment. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor, love yourself. Allow God to be, use you as a channel of his grace into people's lives. And you cannot do that while you harbor unforgiveness in your heart. It's like putting a plug into a sink or blocking your pipe up. It just will not flow. And so we need to focus, if we focus on the connecting and allowing God to flow through you, then you will see the love of God in action. One last thing, how do I know when I've truly forgiven? It's hard, isn't it, to know sometimes? You think you've done it, and then you see them again, and it's like, how do I know? Well, firstly, you no longer think about it day and night. If you wake up thinking about it, 
that person, that situation, what they've done. If you go to bed thinking about it, if you think about it when you're at the shops, when you think about it when you're at work, when you think about it when you're driving, trust me, you've not forgiven them. They're still there. And they're still causing trouble. You need to go back and make that decision of the will again. I will forgive them. I'm going to keep going. The bell is still ringing. Secondly, you no longer have to talk or gossip about it to others. You know, find in your conversations that they're talking about the same people over and over and over again. You're not talking about it. There's other things. You no longer feel the pain and therefore the need to, to get back at them. It somehow disappears because you've let it go. Yeah, the scars are still there. They don't disappear. But somehow the acuteness and the need to, to draw them down to your level, if you like, is no longer there. Fourthly, you no longer feel anger or bitterness towards them. And lastly, and this is the killer, you can recall those people who hurt you and you can genuinely wish them well. When you can recall those people that have done those things to you and say, Father, bless them and really mean it, then you know you've forgiven them. Corrie Temboom talking about her again. She said it was 1947. She'd come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. This is what she wrote. It was the truth they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land, and I gave them my favorite mental picture, maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind. I like to think that that's where forgiven sins were thrown. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. The solemn faces stare back at me, not quite daring to believe. There was never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence. In silence, collected their wraps. In silence, left the room. And that's when I saw him, working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next the blue uniform and the visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights. The pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor. The shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parched skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. And this man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. 
How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I'd been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. He was saying, I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I whose sins had every day to be forgiven and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I'd had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. But those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And I stood there with coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly and mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother. I cried with all my heart. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I have never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Today, we will come around the Lord's table, reminding ourselves of what it cost Jesus to forgive you and me.
Before we do that, Phil, can you play? Just spend some time this morning. Do you need to forgive someone? Do you need to begin that process of letting go? It starts with you and with me. You'll never feel the the warmth of Christ with unforgiveness in your heart. Ask God for the strength today to let go of the rope. begin that healing process Father forgive them 